paying attention to that detail of you, particularly your own vice that you struggle with, that your own virtue that you have a trouble attaining. If you're able to build a routine in your life, starting off with prayer, offering the day to God, having some sort of meditation, at least praying the daily rosary, having some spiritual reading and ending the day with an examination, you can say every day, what did I do today, Lord, that was giving you in, in, giving you glory? And what did I do today that separated myself from you? And how can I improve on that tomorrow? Welcome back to another episode of PPK. Back at you. It's only been a week. It's only been a week. We're feeling pretty proud, feeling pretty good because mm-hmm. uh, we're on a rhythm. I mean, it's only one after, you know, but I guess it's a little bit we're of a rhythm, there. right? Yeah, we're, we're, getting we're sending good energy <laughs> yeah. out right now. We got to get two to get three. True. True. So that's, it's, you know, that's what we're working on. One step at a time. One step, one day at a time. So um, like last episode. Inspiration, kicking it over to Meeks, what we got today. So today we're going to be discussing a little bit of mama mentality and it's um, kind of how that mentality and work that and drive can go towards our faith. Um, it's just been something obviously ever since he died, uh, RIP, that's our goat in the Spawn household. Um, and I don't care what you say. Um, there's no LeBron, um, China lover, uh, <laughs> compassion in this household. Um, but it's not really to try to like canonize Kobe, although, you know, we did hear about, oh, everyone heard about how he went to mass that morning that he died and, um, and how that the Psalms for that day was actually Psalms tattooed on his arm. So a lot of cool things. Um, that's not what we're necessarily here to talk about. And just the fact that everyone, that's all I've been talking about, right? Mom mentality for all these rappers, people talk about how he influenced them and um, the context really for me was I was watching uh, G-Eazy, who's a rapper, do his house tour. Um, it was with my wife, so it was completely weird. Um, <laughs> but I was just curious about his house. And so we were watching his house, and he had this frame where he was like, you know, this is how, like, every time I come into the studio, like, I see this jersey, and, like, how can you not go hard? And, you know, he talks about the mom mentality. And I was sitting there, and I was like, but is that really the mom mentality, though? Is it just, like, let me go hard in the studio and make some songs? I had to say no, probably. And, you know, we're going to dive into this some more, but Kobe's obviously really well known for his work ethic um, and also being known for not being super liked by a lot of people and especially some of his teammates. I remember when we were all excited that Dwight Howard came. That didn't really work out because they didn't see eye to eye on a lot of work ethic with Shaq. That's the reason why he drove him out because he kept calling a fad and, and he wasn't working out, all this kind of stuff. Not that we need to be that extreme. But there's something to be said about when you're practicing your faith and you're really about it and that's your focus, your main goal. All Kobe cared about was the championship, right? And hopefully he cared about getting to heaven too. But in this context, when you really focus on that, sometimes you're going to seem like intolerant or you're not going to seem like you're, I don't know, lovey-dovey and peaceful hippie that Jesus is to all these other people in society today. Mm-hmm. And not that we can't be charitable, but that's going to come. You're going to be looked at as extremists. You're going to be looked at. They're going to call you all the names that they already call us. And it just kind of reminded me of Kobe, you know, it was always selfish, this and that, couldn't win. Not that, once again, we're not here to reflect on Kobe's career. But kind of what the Mamba mentality means for our approach to faith. Yeah, I think one of the things um, that I think carries along with the Mamba mentality and we transition that to the faith is really 
it's less about sparing your feelings. It's more about saving souls. And so a lot of people, I mean, you think about Kobe in the context of what he did in his profession. Um, but I think about, you know, the Michael Voruses of the world and some of those other guys that go hard. You'll talk about people will point to the method because they have a problem with the message. And that's the key. Right? When we're living out our faith, most people will be like, oh, man, uh, you know, John wasn't super diplomatic or Keone wasn't. I mean, you are actually pretty tactful. So I can't use you as an example. Mika, I'll go to Mika. You know, Mika was uh, a little bit hard on that versus saying, but did what he say, what, did, what he said, was it true? Versus oh, just pointing to the method. Well, you, you have more of an issue with the message than you do with the method. Because honestly, if you're humble enough and you're secure enough, I mean, flowing off the insecurity episode, if you're secure enough with yourself, you can go, all right, I probably wouldn't have came that hard, but what he said was real. That was real talk. Mm-hmm. What say you, Keone? Uh, kind of as a side topic flowing off of what Minx was saying with the mama mentality, just the idea that Kobe was constantly trying to, and we've talked about this in other episodes, um, improve his craft and his drive to get better was something that either inspired people or rub people the wrong way. We're almost like you hear stories of his teammates, you know, and even people around the league, they're either like, I loved being with Kobe being around him. Cause like he pushed me or I hated it because he never stopped. He pushed me and he, he dragged me, he pulled my Jersey and he, you know, pushed me to the point where they were kind of just there to get by, make their millions, you know, have some fun. And he, they, no, he wanted every ounce of it, you know? And I think that's a lot of it we can learn from and translate to our faith um, because of the drive to constantly get better. And you see this now in the state of the church. Um, if, if there was one thing that COVID did for our church is it's really solidified the line in the sand about where you stand um, in the church. Are you, are you for what the Catholic church has taught for the past 2000 years? Or are you for what, you know, whatever you feel like the Catholic church would be? And we, if we talked about this in the modernist modernism episode, um, but it drew the line in the sand, and I think um, that's that's what Kobe did. He, he kind of drew the line in the sand. You're either with me, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna push you to be everything you can be, or you're here to just kind of dibble dabble along, and it's gonna be like intramurals for you, and you're just here for the show, you know. Um, but something that really stood out to me, kind of flowing off of the last episode, when we talked about insecurity, when we talked about people kind of showboating every aspect of their life. And it's supposed to be a security. It's supposed to be a, a sense of confidence, but we know it's not. Is this idea that um, routine is so outdated nowadays? Like you got to be your own boss. You know, why are you over there with your eight to five job, your desk job? I'm making 39 racks in a month and I'm my own boss. And because of Bitcoin or some random stuff, you know, and like you guys are, you know, it's the new age, you know, and it's, there's this resistance I see. And that's just one example, but you, you see this resistance to a routine. And that's something that Kobe, I mean, he had a, like a regiment every, we talk about athletes in general, they have a regiment and there's a lot of, of truth to that. And it should, it should be translated in our spiritual life. Um, Father Ripperger talks in his episode on YouTube. You guys should check that out. Maybe we can put a link to it if we haven't already in a previous episode, but the rule of life. And he talks about spiritually speaking, if you don't have a routine, you're more likely to continue to decline spiritually, morally, in your relationships. Um, because of the fact that when when Adam and Eve fell after the first fall, we had this like concupiscible appetite to just kind of want to do things our way. 
We want to, we want to, we want to choose what we feel in the moment. And the purpose of a, of a routine is that you don't do what you feel like doing. You do what you should be doing. And routine gives us that freedom because you wake up, you start with prayer and then you meditate, um, you know, before your, your lunch. And then before, you know, this scheduled meeting, you say a quick prayer. So you're constantly meditating on God. And then you do the rosary, and then you do your spiritual reading, and then you pray before bed, you do an examination contest, right? You do this consistently. Then you're less succumbed to, well, and me, you and me and I were talking about this before the episode. It's like, well, should I, I kind of want to take a nap right now, but if I do take this nap, what's going to happen for me? And that might be, just be one day, and if it's one day, you know, that, that might be okay given this, this, um, the circumstance. But something that Kobe did was that, if I skip out on this training or if I skip out on this workout, if I don't give them 100% in, my, in this practice, what does that mean for me in the playoffs? What does that mean for me when it comes to the finals and they, they want me to shoot that shot? And I think that's something that we often miss as, as lay Catholics, especially in our generation, is this idea. It's, like, it's almost like we're floating for good enough. You know? And I think this, this idea of mama mentality, the importance of a routine is the routine is what gets us that what develops that mamba mentality, you know, for us to really grow in our faith. So we're not just kind of succumb to the whim of our emotions, what we're feeling today. Well, this book sounds good, or maybe I'll pray this, this prayer. It's a divine mercy chapbook, So it's kind of shorter than the rosary because I'm not really feeling the rosary today. And I really want to get a nap in, you know, and if we're, if we kind of just kind of slack off, then we're taking, you know, one step forward and five steps back. Yeah. Kind of belly flopping off what Kenny said there. <laughs> I was thinking the biggest difference, I think, spiritually when you grow and the difference between Kobe and the other players is attention to detail. We always talk about that, right? It's, it's the smallest things that make a great player uh, or a good player a great player and, and vice versa, right? Consistency too, right? That's what we're talking about, consistency. Like, um, I mean, maybe a lot of people won't get this, but like a Nick Young can go out and get 30 whenever he wants. Kobe's going to get that every night. And that's the difference between a great player and a good player. And I think the same thing for us and kind of what Kelly was talking about, it's it's just those little things where Kobe's going to wake up at four because he has that much more time to get better. I suppose it is it truly bad if you wake up at eight for your practice that you're going to you're going to practice probably twice a day. I mean, at least practice once a day and lift weights. Right. So you're going to train twice a day. But for Kobe, he's training before they get to practice. He's already sweating and, you know, fully sweating before people even show up to the court, all stuff just so he can get ahead. And he knows that if he allows himself to slip, then he's going to be like everybody else. And so that's what we kind of have to do, right? And that's something I've been trying to work on is that like, you know, when I'm going to the bathroom in the morning, you know, to just release some, uh, you know, the vibes in the morning, <laughs> things catch up to you a little bit. Um, and it's like, you know, should I sit there and just stare at Instagram for 15 minutes? Or can I do some sort of prayer, some sort of morning prayer? Can I do an uh, auxiliary Christian orm or something like that? Right? Can I be more productive? Or prayerful of my time. I mentioned in the last episode kind of how I use my like 20 minute little car ride to, to work. Like what can I do in those times? Because if I don't, then I'm allowing myself to slip, right? Continually. Because I think all of us in the grand scheme of things have a, you know, a good mentality and, and a, a good heart into wanting to be something. But it's, only, it's always those little moments where like the devil's going to catch you. If you slip up one time, what happens in the big moments? And you mentioned like with Kobe, a lot of these guys work extremely hard because the reality is when it's fourth quarter time and everyone's exhausted who's going to be the one to you know step up because you're gonna be tired your legs aren't going to be there it's gonna be hard to shoot all that kind of stuff it's almost the same idea to where if you can't do those little things now 
Now, when the devil's really tempting you, and he will, whenever, whatever, if you're, you know, by yourself or at night, and you just there's a lot of thoughts coming in, these stuff. How are you going to stay strong? And so, those little things are going to keep you there, as opposed to, well, you know, I took a nap and I probably shouldn't have. The next, you know, just this domino effect. Mm -hmm. And so, it's these things that don't seem necessarily bad, right, uh, in themselves. Like a nap, not is not necessarily bad in themselves, but the grand scheme of things and the bigger picture, those might lead you to something that may become bad or worse than than you intended it to be. And so I think that attention to detail is something that's huge. It's something I'm trying to work on a ton. Mm -hmm. Where is it that I'm falling? And, you know, when you're doing examining of conscience or you're in confession, you're like, well, what what went wrong? Things felt good, right, for a long time. Then all of a sudden I feel myself getting irritated all the time. Or all of a sudden things are just bothering me too much. Or I feel a need to start judging and, you know, acting out or something. It's like, well, what? What, what happened there? You know, I was fasting, I was doing all these things and then somehow you're still letting yourself slip up and it's, it's that attention to detail that you have to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it um, goes back to, you know, I was just thinking about when you're talking about um, the little things, the attention to detail and you, you know, flip that. Let's talk about the trajectory of sin, right? That, that the smallest examples of sin, it, the vice, the little vices of the day lead to the big moments of sin. So if all you're practicing is vice, then of course, it, it, you know, we think we can sit there and point at people and blame people and say, look, oh man, that dude fell off. But it's like, but it, he didn't just fall off like overnight. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's a lifestyle that's habitual. So the same thing goes for virtue. So Kobe's building this, this, you know, natural um, reaction, right? The second nature of the shot that he wants every single time. So he probably took the game winning shot a gazillion times in his career, in practice, um, in his dreams. So it's like the same thing happens with sin, um, you know, or virtue, vice or virtue is that you're working. There's a trajectory. So um, I think it was in scripture. I can't remember which passage, but it's like if you're honorable in the smallest of things, you'll be honorable with the biggest of things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key thing is, you know, um, just going back to the Mamba mentality, this idea of St. Thomas Aquinas and grace builds upon nature that pound for pound, everybody that's in the NBA obviously has some skill. They're blessed with a certain level of athletic ability, and they got themselves there. They were probably the best person at their high school and so on and so forth. Um, but what takes, so what takes you to that next level? It becomes a certain mentality. Of course, when we put that in the context of faith, it's grace. So for us, it's the sacraments, right? Is that we practice virtue, we have prayer, all the things you're talking about in that routine, this rule of life allows for God to work to apply grace to our own natural ability, right, to be something great. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, the other key thing here is like when we're looking at, as we try to help people unpack this a little bit, like what's the mama mentality in the context of your faith life? Like what matters more than to get getting to heaven, storing up treasures for heaven? What are you doing right now in the quiet life of, of your everyday life to actually ensure that you will get there? Mm -hmm. I just like I just love the analogy with basketball. I mean, you can do it with any sport, but just because that's been in our bag for all our lives, you know. But just that, like Meeks was saying, the attention to detail, and you were kind of talking about it too, pops. But the idea that Kobe was uh, was paying attention to every aspect of the game and focusing on every niche of his craft and of the game that he can improve on to be the best version of himself, obviously on the court, uh, maybe not doing it spiritually, but what we're doing to translate is the attention to detail that we need in our spiritual life. And Father Ripperger talks about this, the, to build virtue, the habitual disposition to do the good, 
which is what virtue is. To build virtue, you have to have some sort of habitual routine in your life. Because if you don't have the same routine, then you're not building the disposition because you're not directing, you're not utilizing your will to make a choice each day. Mm. You're kind of, you're kind of based on your emotion and not your, an exercise of will, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he kind of talked about when you build a, a routine, you're more able to focus on the area of virtue that you most likely need to improve on. Right. Because you have a consistent routine. You're like, well, I've been really struggling in, you know, my, my meditation. I've been really struggling with my peers. I've been really struggling with my relationship with my siblings or my wife because of the fact that you're constantly including God in every aspect of your day. Whereas if most of your day is filled with social media, YouTube, you know, rap music, whatever junk that you can fill your head with, what push is there to build better? What pushes there to, for you to be the best version of yourself? That's why these players who, yeah, they do show up for that eight o'clock, you know, workout. We do show up for that Sunday mass, but the rest of the time, what are they doing? Well, they might be playing McDonald's, they're live streaming uh, on Twitch and, and they're playing video games all day and they're going to the nightclub while Kobe's at the gym at 4 a.m. And that's what separates a mediocre player from a great player. That's what separates a uh, cradle Catholic from a saint. And I think what we're trying to do here, and you know, this is obviously we're all trying to do it in our own lives, but just kind of spreading the word to all our listeners is paying attention to that detail of you particularly, your own vice that you struggle with, that your own virtue that you have a trouble attaining. If you're able to build a routine in your life, starting off with prayer, offering the day to God, having some sort of meditation, at least praying the daily rosary having some spiritual reading and ending the day with an examination, you can say every day, what did I do today, Lord, that was giving you in, in, giving you glory? And what did I do today that separated myself from you? And how can I improve on that tomorrow? And that's really the spiritual life. That's what Kobe did in his, in, in, translating it to his game is like, what did I do in that game? He's going to watch film after every game, right? What did I do in that game that I messed up? What is that virtue, that skill that I need to build? And that's what we have to do. Because if we don't, look at the world today. No one cares if you're living it out. We're, we're going to be in the minority. Mm-hmm. And if you look out in the world, no one's going to encourage you to be virtuous. So we need to, to build a routine in our own life so that it's not based on our emotions, not based on, on you know, what social media is telling us. Well, you know, it's good to have a community. We can't bank on the social media. We can't bank on our our friendships even sometimes to, to lead us to heaven. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's ourselves who are going to stand before God. Mm. You know, I was kind of thinking about uh, when you mentioned film there, it's kind of like examination of conscience when you watch film, because there's people who are scared to watch. Like I didn't like watching film because I was like, ah, geez, well, I'm going to get roasted for sure. And then you're going to be like, what was I doing that play? And that's what like examination of conscience is. You're like looking back, you're like, ah, geez, like I did exactly what I was. I was like, I knew I was supposed to do. Or I worked so hard not to do. I practiced this a million times and there I am on film, like looking like an idiot, right? <laughs> and, you know, coach is telling you bounce pass and you're jumping and throwing and all this kind of stuff. But something else I want to touch on is kind of that attitude um, of Kobe that was just kind of no BS. And I think, although, yes, we have to be charitable, there is a certain level, like uh, we've all read uh, Paul, right? We've all read Romans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily feel this like lovey-dovey charity when i read that i just feel like a, a sword in my spine when i read that in a good way because i'm like dang he's really hitting me right now but that's what you need you need that 
you need those even. <laughs> and so I think there's something, right? I mean, it's not always going to be this, like, I don't know, you're not always going to come off as charitable in a way. And I think charity will really is, you know, love God so that sometimes you're not going to see it as it's all lovey-dovey, but that's really what loving a person is, is mm. like calling them up to be something best. So I guess you would be charitable, but obviously don't be super rude about it. But like divorces, you know, so on that, I think it's awesome and, and really calls out people, maybe not, not as intense as I would, but there's a need for that. There's a reason why he's called church militant. So maybe go to church levy if you don't like that one. <laughs> and But, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, words and sometimes your attitude and how you come off does matter a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you've built as a reputation, right? Man mm-hmm. on fire. It's, it's intense. As I'm sure you guys have been all there. We live with them, so we understand <laughs> it pretty well. But, you know, I was watching, I was telling you, I was watching uh, Bishop Barron with Jordan Peterson, and I was really, because Jordan Peterson is always going to ask some insane questions, you know, always. And I'm, like, just trying to see how Bishop Barron responds, because he's a representation for Catholic faith, and we all really want Jordan to become Catholic, and I think maybe he will get there eventually. So I'm hoping that Bishop Barron really comes in and and and, um, and is truthful with him. And, you know, we talked about how um, Bet Shapiro kind of dropped the ball a little bit and a couple other things. I think Dave Rubin, he kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Um with in terms of homosexuality in the church and kind of just didn't want to touch that because it's a little too feely and um it was speaking about mom and Talia, i don't think kobe really cared and he said multiple times you guys can find uh i'm not going to say it because he's like it's a little explicit sometimes about mm-hmm. what he cares about or how people perceive him and what he actually cares about that and so i was just you know looking for these opportunities and it's just, sometimes bishop Aaron's a very gifted speaker but he's very diplomatic as well and it's in those moments where you should have been harsher, right? And we talked about when Jesus was saying, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, mm, I don't really like that. Can you try that again, Jesus? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, just eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, mm, I don't really know. People kept leaving. He's like, how about you gnaw on it? Is that better for everyone? Is it clear? So in those moments, right, where there's questions and there's, and there's room to, for clarity, he pushes it further as opposed to, we have to be careful in those moments not to kind of hide, right? Because I know I do that too. I'm not here just to pick on Bishop Barron. He's a gifted person and probably a really good person. Um, but I think there's a tendency to like run away and not want to be that guy, right? You don't want to be, you don't want to be too harsh. You don't want to be a person that doesn't seem tolerant. You don't want to be a person that doesn't seem like they can meet people where they are and that kind of idea. But there's going to be a certain point. And I feel like I've gotten that more now, a point where like I don't really care to be around people just to make them feel good about themselves. I don't really care to be around people. Like Kobe said, he doesn't care about being with lazy people. He doesn't understand them. He doesn't even want to be around them. Mm-hmm. I understood that more because it's like, yes, do you want to be loving and do you want to be able to meet people where they are and understand their perspective and help them along the way? But there's a certain point where your friend groups are going to start to change because the way you live is different, right? Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes you don't want to go below where you're supposed to be. And sometimes it doesn't feel right. And you're just like, you know, being at work at Sherwin-Williams, a lot of grown men who aren't necessarily going to think like how I do, you know? And I just realize how much I just want to be in an environment where people are like-minded and stuff like that. And I don't really feel the need to kind of pander towards other people's opinions or views. Mm-hmm. You know, what is that going to do for me? I'm not going to change your mind. I can change my mind. You've had 40 years of living, you know, that kind of idea. And so I think it's important to like realize that people aren't going to like you. And so we got to keep kind of working towards that and understanding that. So if a lot of people are liking you and they care about your personality, then it's, or they can't, they, they can't, all they do is rave about you. Then there's probably maybe something missing there because mm-hmm. 
you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but our Lord and Savior died, and it was the faithful people that put him to death. Mm-hmm. And so people aren't going to like what you say. Probably don't like what we say, so we're not popular enough for a lot of people to come at us. <laughs> so good thing right now we're doing okay. Well, I was, I was thinking that, um, you know, thinking about co- going back to the mama mentality and the Kobe piece, everybody that steps on that court, you're playing at the highest level of basketball, the biggest stage. What's the ultimate goal for that? To win a championship. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, so Kobe's pushing people towards that. He's calling you out if you're, you're not playing as if that's not the goal, and yet people get upset about it. So I'm thinking, well, why do you go to Mass? Why are you Catholic? It's not a social club, right? It's the highest form of prayer for us to go to Mass. It's to give God real justice, which is right worship. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like when you call somebody out, I mean, of course, we can argue about charitable and all this other stuff. But like you said, Jesus doubled down on it. And then he turned to his homies. His closest people was like, you want to leave too? Mm-hmm. Right? He, he didn't mince words. And like you said, it was ecclesiastical authority, the, the, the religious leaders of the time, who he's calling out. And he says, well, you, you brood of vipers. And, you know, you thought, talk, talked about Paul. I was thinking, like, uh, was it the Galatians? Oh, you stupid Galatians. Mm-hmm. Right? Is what St. Paul tells you. So it's just like there's this part where sometimes we try to separate love and truth and we try to separate justice and mercy um, because we just don't want to face things head on. And when you're battling, when there's a battle between good and evil, evil doesn't take plays off. Evil doesn't care about your feelings. Evil doesn't care about whether or not you're ready for it. Satan doesn't care. He wants to strip you of your soul and he wants you in hell with him. And he's willing to do anything. So why aren't we doing why aren't we willing to do everything to save our souls, to save the souls of our of our family and our, and our friends? Because it is difficult, right? We do just want to be man, man. Just stay in a Catholic bubble, stay in a in a truly soldier for Christ bubble, right? Like everybody else, just get out of my way. But we can't. We need to go and save souls because that's what we're called to. Is we need we need to bring souls to Christ every single day. But it takes us actually working at it. Mm-hmm. Kind of one one point on what you're saying about. You know, every goal, uh, the goal for every NBA player should be to win the championship. And Kobe played like he wanted to win the championship. And when he pushed people to play like they want to win the championship, they got offended or they got bothered or like he's too intense. But, you know, there was a quote that I read on, on I think it was on Instagram a few days ago that said, uh, how could you desire to go to heaven, which is the eternal contemplation and face-to-face just presence of god himself if you can't even go to mass every sunday yeah you can't even spend one hour with him but your goal is to somehow spend eternity face to face with him it's 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 kind of that mentality it's like you say you want to win the championship but you're not playing or practicing or working like you want to win the championship Mm -hmm. but kind of back to what miko's point was you know when you're talking about jesus and speaking of having security he didn't care about his ego. He didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care about how many subscribers he was going to have. He didn't care about how many people were going to follow him. Because when it push comes to shove, he always spoke the truth. When like something as, as important as the doctrine of the Eucharist, the doctrine of you know the source and summit of our faith, there, there is no room to mince words because of the fact that you could lead a lot of people astray. So when, in that moment, it's... The true charity is to speak the truth, even if it isn't comfortable. That's why he said, no, 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 it's not just eat. You need to chew. You need to gnaw. 
And then, oh, well, they walk away and he doesn't say, oh, my bad, guys. No, he says, you guys can leave. And do you guys, my best friends, do you want to leave too? And I think that's something that we're missing is we push, the, we push it a little bit. And then when people push back, we say, oh, no, no, no. Well, you know, you know there's, it's the privilege way. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, no, they don't, they don't need that right now. Right now, when their soul is in limbo, either you're going to pull them and, and, and be an instrument to bring them to God or the devil's going to snatch them up. Yeah. And in those moments, you, in, in throughout scripture, it's, Jesus doesn't back down. In other moments, you know, when, when uh, Mary Magdalene is, you know, is ashamed, he doesn't, you know, push her over and say, what are you doing? I've told you to, you know, to live a better life. No, he, he hold, holds her up, but he's not teaching any doctrine at that moment. He's, he's teaching mercy, he's showing mercy, and then says, go and sin no more. Right, there's some sort of teaching, even if that was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But when when it's coming to something of you're like you're on the stage, like Mika was saying with Bishop Barron, when you're on stage and you're confronting someone who's would be like the followers who doubted the the actual um, Eucharistic teaching or who doubted whether you, there's no faith outside of the Catholic Church, whatever it is, Jesus was consistent and he was clear in his teaching, and I think that's something that. I mean, we can talk about Kobe, but just, you know, all the saints, the leaders, people who are secure in their faith, it's, it's, and when push comes to shove, you stick to the doctrine, whether it makes you feel good or not. And I think we need more of that now because we've got, we've come so far in just kind of dancing around what's right and wrong that we don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. Mm-hmm. And there is a, um, a post that I saw, just Red Pills posted it, and it was kind of talking about how this, this author, was talking about right now with the the motu proprio with Pope Francis and how he's putting a ban on or whatever you want to call it on the traditional Latin mass. And he, he was excited because of the fact that now people are talking about the Latin mass. There have been so many people who have grown up and didn't even know that there was a different right, or there was a different um, way to have them to hold the mass. And so now people actually have to be exposed to it. People have to talk about it. People have to now defend it. And it's a gift because for the past 50, 60 years, it's just been kind of limbo. We kind of just hide the Latin mass. People don't even know it exists. But now it's out there and people have a, have a duty now to defend it. And what a gift that is that we get to actually bring it back. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, you know, when we're talking about the mama mentality, it's the idea of live like you're, you're trying to get to heaven. Play like you're trying to win the championship. And that's just every day. It's attention to detail. It's building a consistent routine. It's making God every part of your life or else you're going to continue to fall back and you won't even know it hit you. There's going to be 50, 60 years of you're in limbo and you don't even know what the truth is because you've built so much vice. Yeah, something I forgot to mention, um, kind of like juxtaposing Bishop Barron and I saw um, John MacArthur, a song dad about this on Ben Shapiro, who's some... I don't know exactly what he is. He's evangelical. A yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he wasn't letting Ben Shapiro get away with anything. And he was he brought up Isaiah fifty three, and basically said like, he said, you know, I couldn't believe uh, the New Testament without the Old Testament because Old Testament all it is talk about Jesus Christ. You know, right in front of Ben, just looking him straight in the eye about everything. And instead of kind of just doing like Ben Shapiro was very diplomatic. I mean, not Ben Shapiro. Bishop Barron was very uh, diplomatic in the kind of way he talked about it. And like the conviction that John MacArthur had, although he's wrong about a lot of things and thinks we're all going to be in hell as Catholics, but that conviction that he held would probably be more beneficial to Ben's soul than Bishop Barron trying not to hurt his feelings or saying, maybe you have a way, Ben, so don't really worry about it, you know? And it was just, 
something I saw where even Ben asked him, well, what's the difference in the philosophy of Judaism and the philosophy of Christianity? And John MacArthur says, I don't want to talk about them as philosophies. I want to talk about Christianity's revelation and kind of once again kept pushing this Jesus Christ is the only way. And, and you know, that's someone that's going to push. And I listened to Milo on Church Militant, Michael Voris, and he talked about how Patrick Hoffman and Michael Voris played a huge role. But he said Michael Voris more because he's the one that pushed him more. He's mm-hmm. the one that challenged him and said, well, you're not ready. Why not? When are you going to start? You realize that you're wrong and you need to do something about, about it. When are you going to do it? Whereas, although I think Patrick's fantastic and awesome, I guess he wasn't pushing Milo as much. So people recognize that. And if you think that you can just get away, something I struggle with, you know, when I'm thinking about work and kind of this stuff, am I really being an example or a witness if all I do is just hide who I, what I actually feel or, or my faith? Or is it going to be like, maybe I might upset some people by how I think? Or whatever it may be but maybe three years from now they remember that because they're not gonna remember me just being all dilly dally and you know fun with them and stuff mm-hmm. like that and so yeah, i, I kind of just want to mention that because i just remembered how much more convicted i felt at this person who thought i was going to be damned as opposed to you know our bishop who's supposed to be our shepherd and supposed to lead us and so like you know what jordan peter always says like words mean something and so how you do that and the smallest things, those are important. And they could truly speak life into somebody. And they may not always be the you know nicest and prettiest way of doing it. But like what you say and how you respond to something really has an impact. And most of the time when you're pushing someone, they're going to come back and they're going to remember those parts as opposed to you being like everyone else. And I think we've all seen that with our friends who've always known about our faith. And those are the people that will always reach back, right? And they, they may not always seek out the faith, but in the small times they do, they're going to reach out to you because you were someone that lived it and you weren't ashamed of doing it. Yeah. And so, you know, and there's a lot of people, a few of my friends who have reached out and done it. And that's, I did my job, even though I was, probably wasn't doing a great job at all. I was like 15 and 14 and just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, those are the things that those people remember. Well, and you may be the only Bible or the only time they encounter Christ. Um, so not that we'll do it perfectly, but I think going along to get along doesn't do anything. And for us as Catholics, there's the the spiritual works of mercy, which a couple of them are admonish the sinner, instruct the ignorant. And I think it's our responsibility. I mean, that's definitely a Dominican um, spin on we're more attracted towards the spiritual works of mercy because it has to do with salvation, right, than just the corporal works of mercy, which has to do with kind of your human and basic needs. But um, as we kind of round this one out, one of the things I thought about especially because I, I, maybe it was you, Ken, we were talking about saints, and I think just, again, making the connection between Mamba mentality. When Kobe wanted to work on his low post game, who did he watch? Hakeem Olajuwon, right? So he went out to the GOAT, said, all right, I'm going to work on my post game, and watched one of the, the greatest you know, examples of that as a post player in Hakeem, and you saw him perfect that, right? Because he's like, I'm not only going to be you know, uh, one of the best shooting guards, but I'm going to be able to lay it on you as as I back you down into the post. And I think for us as, as Catholics, as faithful, is the same thing goes for us as saints. You know, for us is, is yeah, okay, all right, maybe you're, you're, you're picking up what we're laying down. You're buying what we're selling. And you're saying, okay, well, all right, what's my routine? Well, you need to find somebody that's ahead of the game than you are in your spiritual life. And that for us, that's the saints or people around you that you say, you know, this person is more mature in the faith. What is it that you do? Right. And then you got to make it your own. And then you got to. So I think we have that great example for us to say, all right, if you if you're if you're picking this up and you're saying, all right, 
I'm hearing what you have to say. What do I do? What what say you guys on net, that next step forward of establishing a routine, getting the mama mentality as it relates to our faith? Well, I kind of alluded to it earlier on, but I would say at the bare minimum, starting your day off with prayer, whatever that looks like, just some sort of morning offering. I give this this day to you. You can do the liturgy of the hours. Um, you can just do your own prayer. You can look up a morning prayer. There's probably thousands from church fathers and saints and um, just from Catholic lay people around, you know, through the, throughout the history of the church, just have some sort of morning offering. So when you wake up, you're not just looking for a dopamine boost and just grabbing your phone immediately, but you're saying, okay, you wake up, Lord, thank you for this day. I offer it to you. Give me the grace to do your will, protect me and my family, whatever it is of that prayer, you offer it. And then the, the examination at night in some sort of prayer at night where you're reflecting on your day you're seeing where God was working in your day, and you're um, reflecting on where it is that you fell. So I think those are at the bare minimum. You're reflecting in the morning and in the day. And what Father Ripperger says, like, you should be praying the rosary every day. That is not just something you should be doing out of like, like, Lord, I'm just feeling really kind today, so I'm going to pray the rosary for you. But it's actually an act of justice, that it's, it's a practice of giving God what is he is due because of, you know, rightly worshiping him and giving him what he is. He is, he is our everything. He's what gives us this day. So praying the rosary, reflecting in the morning and at night, and if you can, some sort of spiritual reading. Father Ripperger talks about it being, it can even be five minutes, it can be a one line of the Bible, some sort of spiritual reading. And, and I think, you know, if you're able to start your day off with prayer, if you're able to pray the rosary, if you're able to reflect at the end of the day on what you, what you messed up on, what you could have done better, how God worked in your life, and then do, in between all that, if it's after work, before work, you know, during your lunch, just read one line of scripture, some sort of scriptural reading. I think that could be a good start in having God start to um, immerse himself in every aspect of your day so that that is consistent. Whether you start that day at 5 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 11 a.m., that's really up to you. But kind of reflecting on, okay, what is your day like and having that time that you start to set be consistent. So I'm waking up at 7 a.m. every single morning so that I don't sleep until 11 and then I forget to do my morning offering and then I'm already late for my rosary and then as you see, it can start to snowball. So just mm -hmm. trying to make that as consistent as possible. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think reading's huge. Um, I think just looking back at my own journey and I think I was someone I always tried to pray at night in the morning and do little stuff, you know, just like as my parents told me to do and that kind of idea. But when my faith really took off is when I started to read. And because then you understand more as opposed to I'm going through the motion and doing what I heard. But once you're under able to understand more, not only about your faith, um, but how people approach it and like the, the perspective that people have on it, and you're able to develop a much deeper sense of why you do what you do, then it's so much easier and it makes you want to go harder for it. Because when you're at that surface level, and it may not be your own fault, you may just be young or you may have not been taught a lot of these things, even though you have to actively seek it as well. But when you start to do that, it, it opens up a whole different, it opens up a third eye even, you can say. <laughs> and it opens up a whole new world because you're like, I never knew any of these things. Why didn't I? And and it just solidifies everything that you're doing or it challenges you to, to go do more. So I think reading's huge. I think structure is a, is a really big thing. I think that we're all pretty big on structure and we've always have been because I think being just being lazy and losing it is probably like the worst thing that you can do. Um, I think just health-wise, Spiritually, it's going to uh, deter you away from the person you're supposed to be. Um, I think just working out and doing all these things, just denying yourself always, right? 
and just as as many little ways as you can. I'm trying to like deny myself, but actually have a good attitude about it. Because I feel like I deny myself, and then I'm like angry after, and then like you kind of just defeated the purpose of what you did. And so like being able to accept sacrifices and things like that. But it starts with little things to deny yourself. I think working out's a huge one to do that. You don't have to look like Nico. You know, you all <laughs> want to look like Nico. But, <laughs> Shout um, out to Nico. But the thing is, is those like that act in itself is such a good discipline. And I think it's like helped all of us kind of structure how we, we are, right? Like I grew up watching my parents work out like 4 a.m. before work. And so for me, when I was just sleeping in or doing too much, I'm like, damn, I'm a bum, dude. You know, like what am I doing? Get up. And so that made me want to keep going and, and things like that. So I think just structure, like you were saying, adding in other things that'll like make you deny yourself. That can be a little bit, maybe you're thinking like, wow, County, you just asked me to do like 15 things in one day. Just, you know, to start out, that's kind of a lot. The point is, is like, just structure your day better. And also like, just don't feed into every little inkling that you have. That's really, you know, what County's trying to say. And like, maybe like what I was trying to say, maybe don't. Um, just look at your phone all the time when you're on your morning poop or all this kind of stuff. There's some things that you can do and you could sub, uh, substitute to kind of itch you or inch you towards that goal. And like the last quote I want to end from Kobe, I remember when we were up uh, 2-0 in 2009 finals and they're like, Kobe, you don't look too happy. Like, you know, you're up 2-0 in the finals. He's like, job's finished? I don't think so. Job's not finished. Job's not done. And they're just like, well, okay, sorry. Sorry for asking. Or like when we won the Western Conference finals both in 2009 2010, like we watched the Suns win and everyone's all celebrating. You go and look at our old team and everyone looks like they just lost. And they're just sitting there like this, waiting to answer the questions. Job's not done. And so for all of us, we can't be too happy, right? We can't go to the Super Bowl conference to get on too high. Job's not done. And we're not even close. So I think that's something you know we're all trying to do. And just remember that. I mean, that's probably one of the most legendary things you can think of. Like, don't ever get too excited about, oh, man, I'm finally doing this or that. Job's not done yet, dude. Satan never sleeps. Well, and you you haven't arrived yet, right? You need to get to heaven. And so until you wake up and you see the Lord's face, job's not done yet. I think the last thing, just as parting words, is is that idea of order. You know, you guys have been talking about structure and order, and I think what's the opposite of it? Chaos. And so when you don't sit there, I mean, think about the way our Lord, our God, creator of the universe, created everything rightly ordered. And we see now things in disarray. Why? Because people are struggling to submit themselves to the will of God and to the order of the God of the universe. And you can see that now. It's chaotic. And so I think um, when you order your life correctly, putting God first, submitting yourself to his will, not yours, things just fall into place, right? Things just fall into place. So find out what you value the most in life. And if it is truly God and you say it's God, then how does your life demonstrate and witness to that? Because if you say God's everything, but he's the last thing you think about, if you think about him at all, then you're a hypocrite. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to those around you. And I think that's the thing is we need to be real with ourselves. Um, you know, we, we know that it is. The, there's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ himself. And uh, we care about your salvation. And uh, we care about you getting to heaven so we can see you all one day with us. Meeks, parting words? Yeah, I think one of the best ways... To, as we're saying, you know, supplementing or substituting some of your media and some of your stuff, it's to listen to good content, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have to share good content as well. Mm. So follow our Instagram. Uh, fo- there's so many. There's so many good Catholic accounts out there. There's so many good Catholic podcasts. Listen to Patrick Coffin, Rich Millet, not just us. We're all one happy family, even though a little bit above us, you know. And we're just the little kids in the corner. But I mean, you know, do the harder thing, men of virtue. There's a lot of good accounts. So you know, if you're gonna be on Instagram, at least fill your feed with some good stuff. 
Yeah. So. And I think the other thing, too, is I don't think you have another, you know, uh, father and two sons. You don't. You know? I don't think they're out there. You're, you're taking, taking it for, for granted. granted right I'm pretty sure PBK, you're taking it for granted because it's it's about coming together and, and showing the generational changes that we can make if we turn our life to God. So, you know, we appreciate you guys joining us on this episode, listening to our connection between the mama mentality and what we expect as faithful Catholic Christians to live out our faith according to the way our Lord calls us to. So, Continue to pray for us. We'll continue to pray for you. And you know how we do it. Get holy or die trying. Peace.